Welcome to the Gen Z Show, the only show dedicated to young leaders and those who work with them to create a positive revolution that will inspire this generation to impact future generations. With your host, James McLean. Welcome to the Gen Z Show. I'm your host, James McLean. And I am joined today again by my very good friend and one of the, my favorite ZYCers, uh, Kenzie Shelley. How are you doing, Kenzie? Hey, James. I'm doing so good. I'm so glad to, to be here with you today on this show. Uh, it's always a good time. Hey, today's guest was great. I really loved uh, interviewing him. It's Mr. Thomas Wilkes Williams. Now, Thomas Williams, for those of you who may follow John Gordon, is one of John Gordon's uh, speakers, but he's also a former uh, professional and college football player. He is an author, uh, a businessman, uh, now a podcaster, as he talked to us about today. There are so many aspects to his life, and he just brought us a lot of nuggets of wisdom based on his book that he wrote, the first book that he wrote called Permission to Dream. We really dive deep into that, and we talk about that. Kizzy, what were some of the takeaways that you have from our conversation with Thomas? Man, first of all, it was his just sheer amount of experience. Um, when you listen to him talk about the things that he's been involved in in his life, I mean, his resume is extensive, and I thought it was so impressive. Um, but Thomas talks to us about, um, you know, his book and the things that have really impacted him in his life and allowed him to grow into the person that he is today. Um, but one thing that really resonated with me is he said, what we're exposed to teaches us what to expect. And, mm -hmm. you know, he really dives deep into that and, you know, what brought him to that conclusion and how um, different people in his life taught him that and how to live by that phrase. And so that was a huge takeaway for me that I think can be applied to so many different aspects in our life. Um, he is an outstanding guy with, like I said, a huge resume. And so I think just really pay attention to what he says and take your notes. <laughs> Listen, you're going to want to follow him. And he talks about at the end of the podcast, exactly how to reach out to him. Yeah. But he had some major, major nuggets of wisdom that you're going to want to share on really about how to dream. And I know that many of you are encountering a lot of anti-dreaming negativity through this pandemic that we're going through and all other types of things. But Thomas really narrows in on how do you start? How can you start today, you know, becoming your best self by, by really dreaming? So I want to dive quickly into that. Please like, share, and comment uh, on this podcast. And we're going to jump straight into our interview with Mr. Thomas Williams. Thomas, thank you so much uh, for being our guest today on the Gen Z show. I, I'm glad that you and I got to connect this summer. It, it, I'm looking forward to our time together today. So thank you again for, for uh, being willing to be our guest. James, thanks so much for having me. I'm excited to get into this conversation. Uh, I believe it's going to be phenomenal. It's going to be fruitful because there was a couple of different uh, hiccups in the way that that tried to distract us from getting to it, but now we're finally here. That's true, and we'll let our audience know a little bit inside. So we probably scheduled this four or five times <laughs> because of conflicts on your schedule, conflicts on my schedule. Uh, and I think when I had to reschedule, I told you this is going to be good because somebody's trying to prevent us from from doing this. Yeah, man. Kenzie and I gave a brief introduction to you before the 
uh, before the podcast started, but our audience would like to hear from you. So if you wouldn't mind, just introduce yourself to our Generation Ziggler community. Tell them about you, anything you want them to know. Yeah, so my name is Thomas Williams. I'm an author, I'm a speaker, I'm an adjunct professor. I'm a former NFL player, also two-time national champion winner for the USC Trojans. And uh, since I transitioned from playing professional sports where I was focused on being a game changer and making plays on the field, I've now transitioned to becoming a life changer uh, through a way of personal development, helping people, um, whether it's mentally, whether it's emotionally, and then also physically as well. Um, so being able to use all the components, um, I've coined myself not necessarily as a motivational speaker, but just as a professional reminder because inside of every single one of us, there's something that we all want to do. You know it better than me. Uh, I'm just there sometimes to remind you. I love that. A professional reminder. Uh, yeah, that's awesome. That, that's, that's probably one of the best introductions of, of a little catchphrase that I have heard anyone do. A professional reminder. I might have to steal that. You can borrow it. It's, 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 not, it's not mine. It was given to me. So it, you, can, you can use it as well. So we were talking off air before we started about the fact that you had a, a you were heavily influenced by Mr. Ziegler early on in your career. Yeah, our audience loves to see the connections that we make, and and you specifically talked about you know the book "See You at the Top." If you wouldn't mind sharing with the folks a little bit about that. You know, it's funny, James, because you 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 have the one with the cover on it. I just have the red book, so it was given to me in <laughs> two thousand and uh, two thousand and eight. I had just left the NFL combine and I had probably one of the worst performances in the history of a linebacker. I ran extremely slow. I was extremely weak. I, I didn't belong in the NFL. And so my college coach, uh, linebacker coach, Ken Norton Jr., who's now the Seattle Seahawks defensive coordinator, I get a voicemail from him as soon as I landed from Indianapolis in Los Angeles. And he said, meet me on the track tomorrow at one o'clock. So I met him on the track. He handed me this red book. He said, this book right here is going to get you to the top. And I'm like, what do you mean it's going to get me to the top? And obviously the name of the book is See You at the Top. And so I read the book and this is the first, I'm almost ashamed to say it, but this is the first book I ever read cover to cover. And I'm 23 years old, graduate, you know, have a degree. And that was the book that I read cover to cover. And I just remember opening up the book and it transforming my mind. And not only did it get me through that process, but it got me ready to play in the NFL and it got me ready to tackle life. And so that was the first book I read and understanding that it's not about what's happening to you, but it's about how you think about what's happening to you. And one of the stories was the stinking thinking. And I was like, stinking thinking, this is how I think all the time. And so uh, that book really shaped uh, my life. And it also got me an avid reader. So not only did it help me uh, personally, but it also got me into reading. And now, um, if I could, if I could show you, I've, you know, over 150 books, not all of them that I've read, but, uh, getting me into reading. And it's one of those things that I can't wait to pass on to my daughter as well. That's outstanding. What put you on the spot there? What, what one passage besides the thinking, thinking really stood out to you or, or made the deepest impact? Cause that book talks a lot. I mean, it covers a lot of material. It's a lot. Um, you know what? The thing that I think sticks out to me the most is you can get anything you want in life if you just help enough other people get what they want. I love that. Hey, an audience, if you want a, a copy of uh, his 
Mr. Ziegler's little book of big quotes, a PDF of that little ebook and stuff. If you'll just drop us a note in the show note uh, in, in the comment sections, we'll make sure you get one of those as well, because that has that most famous quote there. Thomas, one of the things that you have written about is is really the permission to dream. You have a book that you wrote, I think, in uh, 2014. Is that right? 2014. Yeah. Yeah. Permission to dream, and and it really aligns very well with what Mr. Ziegler talked about uh, on, on people dreaming. And here at Generation Ziegler, we've interviewed over the last seven years about 2,500 at last count, a little over 2,500 wow. young people. And we asked them what the biggest problems facing youth were. Hmm. And then we categorize those. And with some outliers, yes, but most answers fell into one of three categories. Self-image, they have a problem with self-image, problem building positive relationships. But the third one is the problem with the ability to set goals, the focus in life. And that really all starts with not being uh, not being a dreamer. Um, yeah. So speak to that how do you how do you encourage you know youth to dream how do you get them out of that mindset um i know someone's having a problem with this because hey we're still coming out of or we're still in the middle or coming out of this covid environment and, and people really have lost their ability to think what could be and what can happen how do you yeah. how do you encourage that yeah, yeah. And, and thomas not just that but we want to hear about, you know, how do you encourage that? But how did you yourself, you know, give yourself the permission to dream? You talked about your NFL career and yeah. how it was, you know, going out of that, you were just struggling. And so I want to hear both of those things. Yeah. So uh, I found it, I was lucky, you know, to be honest with you, uh, finding early on, what do you want to do? I, I went to school. I tell people all the time right now, I used to get kicked out of school, but now I get brought back into school to speak like they pay me. So it's really weird, right? It's like, I get flashbacks sometimes. Like I walk down the halls and I'm like, am I in trouble? It's like, no, sir, we're just showing you to the auditorium um, to kind of give you a little bit of an insight of, of my background and my upbringing. But I was seven years old and um, my mom took me to an Oakland A's baseball game. So we're, we're from Northern California. So I went to an Oakland base, Oakland A's baseball game. And I just remember it was a night game. So it was like a seven o'clock game. And I just remember walking out and seeing, you know, green grass. There's nine players in the field. There's one batter, several umpires, and there's tens of thousands of people in the stands. And I'm looking around and I'm just observing all of this. And I'm thinking to myself at seven, all of these people are watching these handful of players on the field like they stopped their whole entire lives to come watch this and I remember saying to my mom on the ride home of that's what I want to do I want to play professional sports and I want to be I'm, I'm an only child so I, I do love attention um I will be honest so for me I was like I want to be the spotlight I want to be the center of attention and so from that moment on at recess, after school, before school, every time I play a sport, I just envision myself being on the field, being on the court, um, playing that game. Even though I was terrible at basketball, I still always took the game winning shot. Like it was just something like that. And so I thought I wanted to be a professional baseball player. And so I was playing baseball until I finally one time, um, I was in eighth grade and I was going into ninth grade and I was on second base uh, the ground ball was hit to right field. So I come around third base coming home and I'm getting ready to score. And 
my third base coach tried to hold up his arms and say, you know, hold up, hold up. But I was just keep going. In my mind, I was like, I'm scoring on this play. And so I kept running, kept running. And the guy who caught the ball, the catcher, he tried to tag me out. When he tried to tag me out, my body natural reaction was to lower my shoulder and I ran him over. And at that moment, my spirit erupted with excitement. And so for my whole entire life, I was like, I'm a baseball player, but I was really a football player playing baseball. And it was really weird. And so I finally started to play football. And, it, and, and to answer, so that's how I found dreaming. Now, how do you goal set? And James, what you were talking about a little bit earlier of how do you stay committed? How do you stay disciplined? And how do you stay focused on it, essentially? And I think it all comes through exposure. And the exposure that I got was in 10th grade, uh, a friend of mine and teammate whose name is Josh Klein. And Josh Klein was getting all these college letters. I remember walking by the coach's office and you see letters from Cal Bears, Stanford, USC, UCLA, Oregon, these schools. And I was like, what is that? So I grew up and I didn't necessarily understand the recruiting process. I didn't know that there's levels, high school, you know, college, professional sports. And so I, he just literally, I missed two class periods because he explained to me the recruiting process. What do you need to do to get in college? What do you need to do this? And he told me, you know, you got to take an SAT, which now is like the ACT and there's some other tests, but you got to take a test. So I didn't have this information. And so it was the exposure from that conversation. You need to get really good. You got to have a good 40 yard dash. You have to have a good 40 time or a bench press. You have to have good grades, all of these things. And so for me, at that moment, Josh didn't necessarily just speak about the end result. He talked to me about the process. You know, so many times we get lost in the process because we're only focused on the end results. And so a good mentor of mine, John Gordon, talks about microscope and telescope. So in the telescope is the things that you want to do in the future. So that's your five-year plan, your three-year plan, your 10-year plan. But inside your microscope, so these are the small zoom focus steps that we have to take every single day. So Josh told me about the zoom focus steps. Okay. You got to get in these kind of classes. You need to take, you know, these, you need to get good grades on this. This is the way you need to start playing. This is the way you need to eat, all of these things. So for me, I found solace and I found excitement in the journey, in the process, because, you know, I didn't get lost thinking about what's going to happen in 10, 15, 20 years. I got lost in what was I going to do today? And mm. with sports, I got lucky because when you're playing sports, there's only a short window of opportunity to be able to do everything you wanted to do. It's not like you have the rest of your life to try to get to the NFL or play Major League Baseball. You only have, you know, four years in high school, three, four, five years in college, and then that's all you got, right? You're good enough or you're not. And so for me, there was a sense of urgency every single day. And so my mindset was, what do I have to do today so I can get to the place that I ultimately want to go? And so those are the things that I talk when I teach youth is that what is it that you can do today? Now, no one in 11, no, no 11 year old is going to get drafted by the New England Patriots. <laughs> You're not, it's not going to happen, but there's an 11 year old who can eat right, who can, you know, stretch at night, who can do their pushups and sit-ups, who can be a good human being, do, do your homework tonight. Don't try to pass your SAT when you're 11, but how much of your homework can you comprehend? Can you understand? And then how do you find the game within the game, the excitement of the little things, you know, do what you have to do first so you can do what you want to do later. And that was a lesson mm -hmm. that my buddy Todd taught me in the eighth grade about doing what you want to do. Um, I did what I wanted to do first, and then I did what I had to do later. And that's why I used to have C's and D's 
but Todd had straight A's and Todd did the things that he had to do first. And then it was left over from doing the things that he wanted to do later. That's major. I did think about, you know, that you, you got to focus on doing those things that you have to do first. Uh, was it, uh, is it Brian Tracy that talks about eating the frog? Uh, think, <laughs> uh, you know, when yeah. you wake up in the morning, you got, you know, you got that frog to eat. You might as well eat it first thing. Cause you know, he ain't going to get any prettier as the day goes on. Matter of fact, he's going to get a whole lot uglier the longer he has to stare and look at us to go ahead and get that difficult task uh, done with. Yeah. It really speaks to me. Go ahead, Kins. I just think that um, everything you said is so huge for, you know, our audience, for youth, for, you know, middle school, high school age students. That really spoke to me personally because I was in high school, I ran track, I played volleyball, I played basketball, I played baseball, and all of those things, you know, um, I, I think now, now I go to the gym every day, I lift weights, and in high school, I just kind of got by, you know, I ate decent, I didn't drink Cokes, but, you know, I didn't lift weights, and I didn't do all of those things that could have made me a better athlete. I went to our, our high school alumni game last year, being out of school for what, four or five years. And my high school coach, he said, Kinsey, I think you're better today than you were when you were a senior. And I'm like, oh, awesome. Like, you know, just thinking about all of those things, if I would have been told, you know, do this now so that later, you know, you won't regret it. So I think that that's huge. And that will resonate with, you know, so many students and, you know, adults as well. Yeah. You know, Thomas, I'm, I'm thinking about how youth are coming through and young people are coming through this pandemic and how they're looking at the world in such a negative way. They're yeah. seeing on the news. I mean, if they're watching the news, there's nothing positive being diffused oh, no. to them. If they're following if they're following this too often on their social media, I didn't mean for it to show my family that, um, <laughs> it, uh, you know, they're, they're being poured in the negativity. How do we, as those who work with youth, what, what could be our first steps to helping them realize the possibilities to, yeah. to dream a more hopeful future? Because, I mean, we believe there's hope, but and we surround ourselves with people who believe that way. So, we, you know, you know, we're the hope, you know, merchants, you know, that's what we sell as hope. But the majority are not in this world. How, how does that adult worker, that, that parent, that teacher, that says, I, I, I don't know where to start. How, how, do I, how do I show them? Yeah. You know, it's, it's interesting. I have, a, um, I have a daughter. So she's one. She's over at this shoulder. So she's like 14 months. And so uh, a lot of the questions I ask is, how do I, how, how do I get her to do this? Whatever it is. How do I get her to uh, build these blocks? How do I get her to take the circle and put it inside the circle, the square inside the square, et cetera? You, you, just, you just add it. How do I get her to take a step? Um, my daughter actually learned how to walk by watching one of our other friends who has a daughter in the same age who is walking before her. The reason why I mentioned that is because exposure determines expectations. And so the exposure you give to anyone who you're teaching, it allows them to elevate or decline on their expectations. If I am constantly speaking about negativity and people in my family around me, children, uh, nieces, nephews, um, even people who are peers, and I'm constantly speaking about negativity, my exposure, I'm exposing them to negativity. So their expectations are negative. Now, 
being adults and being somebody who's like a mentor is that you understand your mind. Your mind is a lot stronger than the 15 year old who you're mentoring, hopefully. So you've hopefully had enough experiences in your life where it's going to let you know that this is not the end all be all. This is just right now. Every single moment we're experiencing is just right now. I had a coach in high school who said, uh, you make a good play, let it go. You make a bad play, let it go. It's never as good as you think it is. And it's never as bad as you assume it is. And so it's just like the moments that we're having. And so the thing that I always teach is that exposure. We can, our, uh, what is the quote? Your actions should be so loud that your words are hard to hear. And so when your actions are so loud because of your, your exposure, you're exposing people to seeing the things. And I actually didn't hear that until I got a lot older in life, but my mom was the first person who showed me that. My mom was, uh, when I was growing up, my mom used to clean houses up until middle school for me. And then she went back to school to get a, uh, like a nursing degree and then wanted to, to get into that field. And so every single week, my mom, on top of her work, she would have 50 definitions. You'd have to spell it and then you have to define it. So every night, Monday through Thursday night, we would do homework together at the dinner table. We would eat and we would do homework. And my mom would come home with 47, 48, 49. She was showing me every single week where she was putting her score test on the refrigerator. My scores weren't good enough to go in the refrigerator. So she was putting up her scores. And I watched her. One, I watched the work that she put in. And two, I also saw the results. She put in the work. She got the results. She didn't understand the words on Monday, but for some reason, come Friday, she would always get these great scores. And so at that point, I went from in from eighth grade to ninth grade, I went from a 2.3 grade point average to a 3.5. Why? Not because all of a sudden I woke up one day and I got smarter, but because I started to do the work that it took to get there. See, it was my mom's exposure that allowed me to elevate my expectations. So the same thing when you're mentoring, you have to show them, you know, parents ask me all the time, how do I get my kids to eat right? I'm like, what's your diet? Uh, well, you know, I, I, I eat Chick-fil-A and In-N-Out Burger and all this. And it's like, well, you can't get mad at your kids. See, it's, it's only because of the behavior that we show and the exposure we give to our children and the people who we're mentoring is that that's going to be their truth. You know, a great quote that I recently heard, um, well, I didn't recently heard, but I recently said it, but I heard it a long time ago is treat a person how you want them to be. And that's what they'll become. Treat a person as they are. And that's what they'll remain. Ooh. And so it's the same thing with that. If, if you want them to be more then you have to show it, show them how to eat, show them how to study, show them how to be disciplined, show them how to be committed to the process. Don't tell them, show them. Wow. That's, that's wonderful advice. And as a parent of a college student, well, two college students now, I just had one graduate, and a middle schooler, you're speaking to me, man. You're, you're like preaching to me. And, and I got hashtag quotes that we're going to be using. Exposure leads to expectations. I just love that. Yeah, that's a good one. So one question we ask most of our guests when they come on is what is the greatest piece of advice that you have ever been given? Mm -hmm. The greatest there's, there's what I I'm, I'm multifaceted. So at, let me ask you this business, uh, speaking academics or sports help me. One of those. Well, areas. I, 
let's just uh, take it academic-wise because I think a lot of our guests can relate to that immediately. A lot of our uh, a lot of our audience, you know, they're working with youth right now, and that may be something that they can uh, understand immediately. Yep. So I was in college. I was I was in college, and I was getting a D in oceanography. Now, what's oceanography? Don't ask me because I obviously at that time had no clue what it was either. Um, and I was getting a D, and so my my coach told me, "How will you ever? How can we trust you to be?" to do your assignment on the field if we can't even trust you to show up to school. And I was like, well, I don't understand it. I don't like it. If I don't like it, I don't understand it. I'm not going. And then uh, Denise, who was an academic advisor at USC, who's she's now the director of academics for student athletes at USC. She said, why don't you go to office hours and ask your professor or ask your TA the, some of the stuff that you're missing. I was like, office what? She goes, office hours. Now, if you, when you go to college, they give you a syllabus. A syllabus is a piece of paper that lets you know what is your assignments, what's your requirements, what's your, what's your rubric, all of these things. And then there also is a place that talks about office hours. And this is a time where your TA, teacher's assistant, is going to be in a room able and available to answer your specific questions. Now, in an auditorium full of 300 people, you don't necessarily get the one-on-one -on -one attention. But where you get the one-on-one -on -one attention is the office hours. And so I took her up on her advice and I went to office hours and I ended up going from, a, uh, from that D to a B minus. Now it was a big, big deal for me because she taught me that it's all about relationships. The personal relationship that I built with the teacher's assistant had nothing to do with the information that I learned, but it always about the information. See, the teacher's assistant was able to teach me, Thomas, not like the professor just throws out a general message and assumes that all of the students are going to pick up on the teachings and the lessons that they're learning. So for me, I, I learned in that moment of if you have a question, go to somebody specifically and directly because they'll answer your per personal question. Uh, that's why right now, if you know, I'd rather pick up a phone and have a conversation, especially working out uh, deals for, as far as speaking. Um, getting logistics before I even price quote anybody. It, it's always on the phone. <clears throat> when it came to playing sports, I want to. I want the coach to explain it to me verbally. Same thing when it comes to there's a breakdown in communication. I want you to explain it to me verbally because there's a tone, there's a story. We have we build empathy, we build compassion when we can hear somebody's voice. And still, until we have until we can create empathy and compassion. We're not going to be able to truly understand and value and connect with the other person. So that was the greatest uh, academic advice that I ever received is that you go to office hours so that the person, um, the TA can look at you in the face and they see the person and not just the student. There's a lot there to unpack. I mean, you, you talked about relationship building. And when you were telling that, I was thinking about the worst grade, worst class that I had in college. And I did nothing like that. I just kind of, you know, as it got harder, I withdrew to my own self and just said, oh, I'm not liking this. This is bad. I'm not going to share the, my struggles with anyone when there were probably resources that could have helped me. A lot of it was, too, because I didn't think I'd ever need, you know, biochemistry again in my life. Uh, oh my why God. should I care, you know, at this point in time with it? So that, that relationships from that angle that's great that's 
that's good stuff that I want to make sure I share. And then there's some accountability in there too. Mm -hmm. You had someone who was, you know, your academic advisor who, who cared enough to hold you accountable for, for as well, which I see that accountability as being a part that, that you seem to struggle with in their uh, careers, you know, as far as goal setting and building relationships, they, don't, they just don't have people to keep them accountable. How important do you feel that accountability is in, in helping people reach their dreams? Man, I'm going to tell you this. One of the quotes uh, one of my coaches always said is, hey, don't point the finger, pull the thumb. Don't point the finger saying it's somebody else's fault. It's her fault. It's his fault. It's the weather's fault. It's the pandemic's fault. Pull the thumb. What is it that I can do? Because in every single situation, there's something that's happening. And then there's also something that I can do. Um, one of the uh, one of the formulas we live by is E plus P equals O. The event plus perspective equals the outcome. So what's your perspective on the event? And so with accountability comes, I'm, I have a part in this. I can sit in it, I can stay in it, um, or I can do something about it. What are you gonna do now? This happened. That part is a period. The next part is what are you gonna do about it? Is it a period or is it a comma? So that's why I wrote the book, Permission to Dream. I can, I will, I did. So in every single situation that I talk about in the book is that I can. I can change it. I can fix it. I can grow. I can learn. I will is a promise that I will change it. I will fix it. I will grow. And then I did is that that is that sense of completion. That is that sense of I hit the finish line. I broke the tape. Look back and see everything that you did. Because you're going to come up with another situation that might not be the exact same, but it's going to be something similar. And when it's similar, you can look back and go, have I done something like this before? Right. So I look I look at, at 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 life circumstances in two ways. You look back and you say, have I gone through something like this before? And you go, yes. And then you look and you go, OK, I'm, I'm still alive. I'm, I'm still OK. All right. I'm not. I, I didn't die. It, it might have felt like it, but I didn't die. And so I have proof that I'll make it through. Now, the second part is I've never gone through anything like this. That's the perfect opportunity, because now we're talking about mindset. We're talking about perspective. That's the perfect opportunity where you can go, great, I'm in the gym. Kenzie, you were talking about being in the gym, working out, lifting weights. Mm -hmm. oh, I'm in the gym. I'm working out. I'm lifting weights on my soul, on right. my mind, on my life experiences. That's where we go to. And so mm -hmm. we can look at it and say, okay, well, I've done it before. I made it out. Great. I've never done something like this before. I don't know how this is going to turn out. Awesome. I get to work out so, because there's going to come a time where we're all supposed to teach from our experiences. And that's where the accountability comes from. I'm not doing this necessarily for me in this moment. I'm doing this for me because somebody's going to come to me later on down the road and they're going to say, how do you do this? And if you don't have an experience to go along with the principle, then you just look like you're somebody who's speaking from their soapbox. But when you can speak from experience, when you can speak from a specific time in your life towards that, that's where you have real impact. That's where you have real change. And when you can impact and change from experience, then you're going to have a lot of people come towards you. Wow. Yeah. Wow. There's a lot there, Kins. Yeah, mm. no, that's awesome. I love that. I can, I will, I did. So how can our audience connect with you to learn more about 
you know, what you're doing and, and, and just really glean some wisdom from me. Where can they go yeah, and find so, information from you? Um, I do not have social media on purpose. So I have social media, but I have not been active on social media since December 31st, 2019. And this is why I've done this. Um, I feel like there's a, there's a, I don't believe that social media is bad. I feel like uh, people use social media in the wrong way. And so it has a negative connotation and a connection to it. So I'm on a quest right now to become um, successful without social media. And so I want to be able to, again, I want to be able to prove it. I want to be able to show it. And I want to be able to share it when I do get there. Mm -hmm. And so for me, I don't have any, I'm not on Twitter. Um, I'm not on Instagram. I'm not on Snapchat. I'm not on Facebook, but you can find me on my website. Um, now that's, there's just information there. And so that's thomasrwilliams.com. But where I would encourage people to go to is search uh Thomas R. Williams podcast. So this year I've committed to one podcast a week. So that turns into 52 podcasts, which I'm taking my talents to the, uh, to the audio world. I'll say that, uh, doing, doing podcasts because for the last 17, 18 months, I haven't been able to get on the road and speak where I was speaking anywhere from 40 to 60 times a year. I haven't been able to do it. So I've just committed to one podcast a week sharing the message, sharing the story and the things that I'm learning along the way, I want to put it out in real time, as opposed to when I was eight years old, when I was 12 years old, when I was eight, when I was 12 might not help you in 2021, when we're going through this pandemic. So there's different gyms, different tools, different tips that I'm learning. Um, and I'm encouraging other people through, through the testimony, through the journeys and through the lessons as well. So they'll find that at Thomas R. Williams on, on their favorite podcast. Uh, Thomas, yep, Thomas Williams or Thomas R. Williams. I shouldn't be pausing like this. This is bad hosting stuff, but I'm actually looking it up. No, but I love that the social media thing. I totally agree. There's social new media breaks are needed. <laughs> yeah, and I think it's a it's more so a discipline thing. For me, I felt like it was controlling me, and yeah. um, tools and resources are not supposed to control us. We're supposed to use them. They're not supposed to use us. And so for me, um, anytime I feel like something's controlling me, then I, I want to find out who's stronger, it or me. And ultimately, it always comes back to uh, us. And so like you talked about, you know, not drinking sodas, that was a that was a, a, a commitment that you made. And there's other sacrifices and other things that, that you do. And there's a lot of us in the world that we do. Um, and I just feel like if something is, is has a negative effect on the majority part of the world, um, there's a mental toughness and the strength to uh, do it. Yeah, I commend you. That's awesome. And, and it's so true. I mean, we see that all the time in the youth that we work with. It's so many of them. Their only outlet is social media. Uh, and, and it's so sad. I mean, you, the story came to mind when you were talking about relationships that I had a parent wanting me to help her daughter with her boyfriend relationship, give her some advice because the girl was struggling. And Kenzie's heard this before. And, and so I started talking to the girl and come to find out she never even met the guy. They were boyfriend and girlfriend through social media. Wow. I'm like, I'm like, okay, something's missing here. Uh, and then she was all upset and, and hurt because she felt that he was cheating on her. And I'm like, <laughs> I was, and I just wanted to say, how can he cheat on you? You've never even met him before. Yeah. Like, yeah. 
Oh, that breaks my heart. So, well, we FaceTimed and, you know, we, we, you know, we've done live, you know, I'm like, yeah, okay, that's, uh, okay. Mm, it's a different yeah. world. But, you know, when you were talking about talking to someone and listening to the tone of their voice, you know, being the interaction one-on-one, those social cues that you can get, so many of our youth are missing that because they rely on their devices so incredibly much. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. An emoji doesn't cut it. <laughs> <laughs> Thomas, thank you. Thank you for being our guest. And, and for our audience, we're going to put a link uh, to his website in our show notes and to his podcast. We're going to make sure that is there for you so you can find that aspect easily. And uh, can they get their book, your book through Amazon? They can get both of the books through Amazon. Permission to Dream is there. The Relentless Pursuit of Greatness is all, also there as well. Well, tell us about that book real quickly before we close. Yeah, so um, every every athlete has a playbook on the field or you have some type of workout schedule or you have a syllabus coming from a teacher, but there's no playbook for the only play you'll run for the rest of your life. And that is life. And so in the Relentless Pursuit of Greatness, it is the playbook for how athletes can transition from being an athlete to being a former athlete, but looking forward to the rest of their life, not looking behind thinking that, the past life was their best life when they were an athlete, but looking forward and taking your transferable skills and really growing into the greatest person that you've ever been and using sports to be a great person and not just thinking that you're a person and you're just a great athlete. That's so transferable, not only to sports, but all aspects. I mean, Kenzie and I deal with some young people who feel like their greatest life was this one year opportunity that they get. And then afterwards, it's all downhill after that. Yeah. Give the audience will make sure that you like, share, and comment on this video or the audio podcast. You can find this on YouTube or on your favorite podcast app. Thank you again, Thomas, for being our guest this week. We we really appreciate this and the and the wisdom bombs that you have uh, dropped on us. For those of you who are viewing this, you can see, you know, I'm taking notes. I, always, I got plenty of notes here uh, where I'm going because I learn. I use these as my own personal free counseling sessions. As, oh, as what. <laughs> so, thank you guys so much for having me. This has been incredible. Thank you for being our guest. And thank you guys for joining us this week. And we'll be back again next week. Thank you for joining us on the Gen Z show and being a part of our community. Please subscribe to our channels on YouTube and on your favorite podcast app. Follow us too on Instagram and Facebook to get weekly updates. Until our next show, have a blessed day.